Kia what's up everyone? I'm Jonathan, and you're tuned in to the Honest Theology Podcast, where the aim here is to have open and honest theological conversations about lots of different things. This is Season 3, Who, What, When, Where, Why is the Church? For each episode, the guest and I are going to delve into the point and purpose of the church. I have seven different guests with seven different experiences and seven different perspectives. No, wait, check that. Eight. Eight different guests with eight different experiences and eight different perspectives over seven episodes. And we'll just talk about the theology of the church and our mission. Honestly, there's not much more to it than that, so let's go. Hey there, and welcome back to the Honest Theology Podcast. This is episode two of season three, Who, What, When, Where, Why is the Church? Exploring perspectives and ecclesiology and mission, or basically the point and purpose of being a Christian. And today, well, I have two guests with me, two friends of mine, I guess. Can I call you friends? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've known one of you a lot longer than the other, but I still call you friends. Uh, Both who, uh, among other things, are pastors of a church called the River Opawaho, which I'm sure we'll hear a good bit about during this uh, during this episode. Um, but because there's two guests, I won't ramble on much more here at the start. We have uh, time to hear from them. But if you are from Ootatahi Christ Church, you probably know them, especially if you've been to Easter camp the last 12 years or so. <laughs> uh, welcome to the show. Amy Page Whiting and James Beck. Kia ora. Kia ora. Hey, yeah. <laughs> um, it's great to have you guys on. Thanks for being a part of this. Um, could you both give a brief sort of summary of your faith journey to this point <laughs> um, and introduce yourselves to our listeners? Sure. Oh, amazing. Uh, I met Jesus when I was six years old, and it has been a continual kind of journey of uh, seeking to be closer and at times running away, but outwardly never running away. It's all been an internal game. Um, And so now, like a good 30-something years on from that, I'm still loving Jesus. And yeah, that's me. Mm. What about that really significant moment in your faith journey where you were like, anything for your church, Jesus, that has led you into pastoral ministry against your better judgment for like the last 25 years? Oh my gosh, yeah, the only thing that I said was that I would never lead a church because it's a poor life choice um, in so many ways. And uh, to help me get into uh, that, I responded to an altar call I closed my eyes, I saw the feet of Jesus, and I and I internally knew Jesus was asking me, uh, Amy, will you love my church? And I said, yes, Jesus, anything for you. And that moment, 1998, big moment has sort of set the trajectory of my life. Mm. Um, and if I'd known at the time what that meant, I never would have said yes. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Blindsided. Yeah. 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 <laughs> It's not funny, it's just it's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jonah got a whale. I got the internal wall of a delivery truck um, and a head injury that um, led me into pastoral ministry. Not sure what that says. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Mm. Uh, Kia ora tatou. My story, the short version of it is Jesus and I flirted for a long time. (laughs) So the ages of as young as I can remember until I was about 19, we sort of like, we're kind of into each other, kind of not into each other. Um, he'd text me occasionally. <laughs> I'd ignore the text. I'd text him back later. Like, hey, still keen. You know, the timing didn't quite work out. Uh, but then when I was 19 years old, I had a significant encounter 
with Jesus that changed the trajectory of my life. August the 19th, 2005. There you wow. Go. It's been it's cool that you both remember, like, exactly dates and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Sitting up on top of the Port Hills, yeah, I gave my life to Jesus. And um, unfortunately, that also meant that I gave my life to being a part of his church and to now uh, leading his church because that's been what being faithful and obedient to his call on my life has been. Man, you and I talk so positively about the church. Um, you know, we've both been like, oh, it's so, it's, you know. It's if- the hardest thing. It's the hardest part of loving Jesus is faithfully and consistently loving an expression of church in a local context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think when we're both, when we're going, oh, so this is the thing, that's, that's where it's coming from, the deep love for the thing, mm. but yeah. then the deep struggle, challenge, pain mm-hmm. um, that you encounter attempting to lead people to be, you know, more like Jesus. Mm. Mm. Wow, cool. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, I like to ask my guests some random questions uh, following that just to help our listeners get to know you a little bit better on a totally different level. Um, so, are you ready? Yes. All right. Born ready. <laughs> what is your favorite ethnic food? Mexican. Indian. Nice. Uh, if fulfilling a call to ministry wasn't your full-time job, what might you be doing? Secondhand CD store salesman. <laughs> <laughs> Penny Lane, yeah. Yeah, basically. Basically, yeah. I'd work and I'd go back to working in a music shop. I used to manage CD stores back in the day, but yeah. I think secondhand CDs is where it's at. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> uh, I was always going to go into management, yeah, and I would say possibly political. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, if you were to describe your personality in terms of colour, what colours would those be? What colours would you be? Red. Are we just naming just straight red? red? Straight. Nothing else? Not red. Black. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you emo. Stuff you. Yeah, you're getting a good taste yeah. of our personalities. <laughs> cool. So this would be a really great conversation. Red and black. Um, yeah, can Very blunt. Yeah, yeah. that sounds like to me. Some very, fire and some bluntness. Mm-hmm, All right. And finally, the last question. You can give some, you give some uh, serious or some thought to this one. Hopefully you already have. What's one meaningful memory, good or bad, you have from being in a church community and how has that helped shape who you are and what you do now? Um, My personality always leans to remembering the negatives first. Mm. Um, And I guess probably my enduring memory is when I first stepped into senior leadership of our congregation and overnight lost 25% of the congregation Mm. because I was 26, had a one-year-old, and was a female. Um, I think the enduring memory of it's not you but and the amount of conversations that I had over the next six months Mm. that just uh, really quickly stripped away any sense of (laughs) responding to Jesus' call being... um, a good thing in sense of feeling, um, that was not my experience. Uh, and so for me, that was kind of like, if that's your start point, um, yeah, it, it shapes and, and gives you yeah. a sense of trajectory. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about one specific uh, 
um, experience or, or memory. I think for me, when I say I flirted with Jesus, I also flirted with the church. Mm. And so uh, I was reasonably involved with three different expressions of church before I properly became a Christian. And unfortunately, for different reasons, every single one of those experiences was actually pretty bad. Mm. And yet I loved this Jesus that I had met, but really struggled with the organisations and entities and people that had represented this Jesus. Mm. And so I think that's actually part of how I ended up being involved in leading a church. And it's not from a deficit drive, it's just maybe, maybe this thing could be done in different ways where where we didn't hurt people. And the unfortunate thing you find out is in attempting to lead anything, you end up hurting people. Absolutely. Um, so, that's great. Yeah, and those are um, very pertinent to our conversation. So, uh, yeah, let's jump into that. I'm interested. What I said before, uh, hearing from a number of people whose life is wrapped up in the church and um, just really what this, the church is. Mm. And recently, you both have moved away from uh, your original church tradition to start a, a new church plant. Um, and I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious if you want to talk a little bit about that as far as who, what, when, where, why is the church for you and how is that reflected in what you're doing now um, at the River of Bauho? It's just, that's a massive question. Yeah. Does it break down into smaller pieces? Um, yeah. Uh, let's start with, um, let's start with what wasn't working at the old church that made you want to start the new church? Okay. Uh, firstly, I am so forever grateful, um, and it probably won't take you much Googling, so I might as well say it out loud. Mm. We were Cashman New Life, mm. a plant originally of Peter and Anne Morrow um, from Inet City, uh, and Anne Morrow uh, continues to be a beautiful supporter and friend of ours. Mm. And so I'm forever grateful for the heritage and the sense of um, what new life was planted in. Mm. I think realistically for me is um, some of this is shaped by uh, who I am as a person and the gifts I carry. Um, That the sense of connection with new life, all all denomination is relational. Mm. And if that relational thing is not um, continued to be strong, um, you fall away. Also, I guess just a sense of our trajectory for mission and discipleship became such a different expression of, of, of where we were heading and what that meant, mm. that it became incongruent um, to, to continue to be a part of that. Yeah. yeah. So, so what if I said, um, what, um, what denomination... Did you come from? You just and said Cashman yeah. New Life, but what is what? Um, tell us a little bit about that denomination, and do you still? Is it similar to what you're still doing now, or what's the difference? What is the difference yeah. between that church and? Um, I think my obs- what is the church in that yeah. space? I guess yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, I think my observation or my read would be that that expression of church, like many expressions of of church, and sort of postmodern secular New Zealand is still um, attempting to be attractional in how it does church. Mm. It's trying to be a thing that it invites people to come to. Uh, and our strong conviction and our strong sense 
of both ecclesiology and of um, just looking at how Jesus trained his disciples is less that it's about getting that this Christian mission vocation is less about trying to get people to come to the thing that you're doing mm-hmm. and more about ways of going to the people. That's good, yeah. And mm-hmm. I, there are a lot of different ways that you could narrate our story, but that is probably the, that is probably the linchpin. That's probably mm-hmm. the, the key piece. How do we disciple people, use language of how we discuss what church is that communicates over and over again that it's not about coming here to meet with God. It's about you being a vessel of God and and um, carrying that in all the spaces that you go into mm-hmm. um, in the world, both in your in your everyday life, in your household, in your workplace, in the family relationships that you have, and then also creating spaces which are church spaces. I'm doing quote marks. <laughs> um, but that are church spaces that people who aren't part of a church feel comfortable in, mm. um, where you can be fully Christian and fully engaged with someone who doesn't know Jesus, and those two things aren't in conflict with each other. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you, what are some of the language that you use or some of the, the ways that you, um, that you teach or show how Jesus trained his disciples, what you are just saying? Like, what are some of the ways that you do that? What does that mean to you in your church? I think one really basic thing that this is very important in our church community, but I think could be helpful for a lot of church communities. Like there's this one thing that you hear all the time, which is essentially God is somewhere else. And when we gather as a group of people, we invite God to come here. And just that one piece of language, Mm. even though that's not what most of us theologically believe, Mm. actually forms our expectations of what a gathered space is. Literally, God's somewhere else, not not engaged. Then we all show up and we sing a song that says, you're welcome here, God, and right. then God comes and is present in our midst. Yeah. And I think that's, that's theologically... It has, it has some implications to it, and it's no wonder that if that's your main language, then attractional church becomes sure. the main thing because we've mm. all got to gather together yeah. to experience God because he shows up when we gather together. Yeah. Mm. Um, Which isn't just present in song; it's present. In, that's present in, you know, Christendom history. You know, yep. and and um, and 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 it has roots in the text, of course. Uh, we get some of that from, but um, but you really raise a good point because so much of I think today's culture, today's church culture, um, is is um, attractional, sort of entertainment, sort of way, um, and that. Um, I guess it's just different though, because I mean, churches, churches in the olden days were built as uh, uh, with the elaborate beauty to sort of showcase and point to God, you know. Mm-hmm. And it would be like, this is where you come, because this, this is where God is. And even you know, in the, in the Jewish synagogues, this is where God is. You you come here to, to gather with God, and we do that when we when we gather for worship. We do gather with God. Of course, uh, but, of um, course. But what you're saying, I, I really appreciate what you're saying too, yeah. and that. If we go, if we just hold on to one particular point of view on that, or one um, that that one word, one language, one phrase, can shape us into thinking that this is what church is all about. This is what church is, mm. and uh, there's probably a bit more to it than that. Yeah, and I think probably other key emphasis that sit alongside that in terms of our language and our practice is we have these very kind of common phrases that you'll hear all the time. Firstly, you are loved and you are liked. 
the sense that you are God's delight and that you are made and wired and uh, kind of a package on purpose, that God loves that. Mm. Of course, we all know God loves us, but God likes that. Mm. And I go, that's the first um, kind of pieces for us to understand our identity as loved and liked children of God and ones who are ears and ambassadors in that. That's your first piece. Your second piece is, and you're called on an incredible adventure. Mm. And so the language around our place is never about, well, we try for it not to be about what can you do as we gather together. Our core emphasis is about who who are you made to be? How are you wired? And what is its expression of bringing the kingdom um, in everyday life? and your job and your household and the things you love and enjoy. Mm. You're called on an incredible adventure. Mm. And so I think for us, it's a major emphasis to shift from we are the church gathered and your gifts are used here to we are the church gathered that tell stories of the things that happened Mm. in all the other spaces we were in. Mm. Um, It's a a huge emphasis for us. So um, tell me a little bit about where you guys do church? Where is the church present? If it's not, oh, not that it's not, but you, we, we were just talking about the importance of the impetus of gathering to somewhere to be church um, and that there's something more to that. So mm. where else is the church and what does it look like for you or where does it look like for you? <laughs> I mean, I think you're probably asking like a, what was the genesis of the idea, which was really yeah, like, sure. it, it came out of um, 10 years of exploration around mission and discipleship that kind of culminated in that moment post-lockdown mm. where we'd been, everybody had been exploring how do you do church when you can't gather and what sure. does this yeah. mean? And there was a real spiritual sense of this is an opportunity and time to grasp something. And the testimony that was coming, not only from our leaders, but also from our people was, we have discovered all these different ways of being God's people in the world. And we could do this differently. There was a lot of excitement about it Mm, back mm, then. (laughs) (laughs) And I think the reality is that the idea of doing something different is very exciting. The reality of doing it Mm -hmm. is when the pain hits. Um, And so initially we came back from lockdown. We did a few weeks together and then we stepped into doing, we do gather one Sunday and we go the other. And we were going out together on missional projects every second week. Mm. So our Sunday gathering looked very different. Cool. So tell me just an example. What would be something that you do? Well, one of the projects that's, um, one of the sort of missional projects that's been happening since the start um, is at a local reserve. And so I led a project in partnership with the council, a couple of local schools, a local kindergarten, and we come together and we, you know, we gather, we, um, we normally go through some sort of like tikanga, we'll sort of um, have a time of karakia and gathering, and then we will literally make the whenua better. So we've planted across the last three years something like 3,000 native plants and pulled out all, the, all of these um, noxious weeds and the, the actual reserve is flourishing. Great. So yeah, that's cool. there's a beautiful ecological thing going on there, but the the beautiful thing is the connections and relationships that are made between you know people who love Jesus and people who don't know yet Jesus yet mm. uh, that happen in that space as we all care about that thing together. Mm-hmm. 
and then you know at the end we'll we'll sort of eat together. So there's this core community of people that have that have been built around that type of co-papa and that type of space. Cool. And so for those of us who follow Jesus, like I mean, my kids refer to that as River Church, mm-hmm. and it's and it's beautiful. And there are other people who wouldn't refer to that as as church at all mm. from sort of the wider community, but we're all caught up in this in this shared space in which we're doing life together. You know, it's, it's often, to me, it's really interesting that there are so many people who would never, what do they say, darken the door of a church. Right, yeah. You know, if you think about that attractional model, there's a whole bunch of people who that is just never going to work for. Mm-hmm. So how do we create spaces where people can actually be in relationship and build genuine relationship with people mm-hmm. who love Jesus um, without necessarily that agenda of now I need to try and get you to church. Yeah, yeah. Um, we can actually, we can actually just hold this. We can be in this space together. Mm. Yeah. How's that? How's that? How's that working going on now? So you said there's a lot of excitement at yeah. the start. Oh yeah. How, how's then there was working? a lot of pain. Like within within a month, yeah. the uh, reality hit the fan and it got messy. Mm. Um, and so I would say, any adventure into true mission and discipleship has an incredible cost. Um, and you cannot imagine what that will be until you are there. And so um, we went through a couple of iterations of what our Sundays, the gathering, the, the go looks like. And mm-hmm. now we have landed in a space where the first Sunday of the month is our go together mm-hmm. and the rest are gathered. Okay. For me personally, I feel like that is the biggest compromise on the planet. Right. I hate it. It <laughs> makes me sick in my mouth. I feel like I've failed. Mm-hmm. Um but in terms of going to love the body of Christ and to mobilise it into mission, what actually is best for her? Mm. It's not my personal preference, but it seems to be the place we're landing at the moment. That's a good point, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and so that's the tension always. The really interesting thing about it, though, is it has led to more, more of a missional awareness Mm-hmm. outside of just those Sunday spaces where we don't gather, where mm-hmm. we go. Mm-hmm. Um, my my felt experience has been people have their eyes far more open to the good that they could do in the world and the fact that they're ambassadors for Jesus at all times mm. than before yes. we just were showing up to, together. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, when when my observation is when you're just showing up together and you live in a consumerist, capitalist society, it's very easy for church to turn into a thing that you just consume yeah. mm-hmm. and, and that's it. And when you ask people to engage with church in a different way, if nothing else, it offers a mild critique to what becomes our default, mm. which is basically church is this thing that I consume, therefore I get to tick my I'm a good Christian box. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's that's kind of the felt experience of yeah. being involved in a church. And I genuinely deep down believe that Jesus requires or asks or invites us into something more than just showing up somewhere. Yeah, community. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and showing up's a big deal. Yeah. Like, there are a bunch of people that could learn a whole lot just from showing up. Mm. Um, <laughs> and showing up regularly, yeah. which means more than once every six weeks. Uh, yeah. yeah. But showing up not just to consume, but showing up with skin in the game. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what the, the body of Christ is probably meant to look like. Um, yeah, so I'm hearing I'm hearing a lot of talk about you know community and like doing church together. Mm. Um, but is doing church 
the same as worship in, in your opinion <laughs> or in, in your context? Oh, man. This, uh, this whole adventure has opened cans of worms that you never knew existed. It's like you slaughter the holy cow of Sundays and suddenly discover what actually people's drivers and what they believe church is. And so there is a group of people who have moved to other places in the kingdom um, because that was a major thing for them, mm. that uh, worship meant gathering together, singing, hearing the word. Yeah. And I guess that's the, the question. What is your, um, to offer your life as a living sacrifice mm. to worship God with your whole life, what does that mean about the rhythms of gathering? Yeah. Um, and I guess for me, I think the church could do with a great widening of its understanding of what worship is. Mm. Um, Drop some knowledge on us. Oh. Oh, my felt experience, yeah. every single time that I'm at what my kids call River Church, yeah. my felt experience of the closeness of God and the awe and the wonder that I experience and the gratitude that I experience is phenomenal. There is a, such a thin liminal space mm. in my both experience of the closeness and the presence of God and my desire to worship Him. I feel the praise. I feel the worship. I feel mm. the gratitude bubbling up out of me and it mm. affects me physically. Yeah. Mm. Um, that's, that's, that's my cool. own felt experience. Cool. Yeah. And yet I know that I'm not the only one who's in that space, yeah. who has a far It's just, it's crazy. You, you are more connected to whenua and place. Mm -hmm. You're more connected to other people than you are when you're just at church sitting singing next to them, mm -hmm. yeah. singing and, and then having a cup of tea afterwards and talking. Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're shoulder to shoulder working, talking. And then, I mean, my experience of this project is then the seasons kind of tell you the story of life, death, and resurrection. And so you become aware of place and you become aware of the circadian rhythms and the seasonal rhythms, which actually tell us the, the gospel story if mm. we're willing to listen. And so my experience of is it worship or not, well, no, it's not worship in terms of we don't sing Bethel songs, mm. um, <laughs> but is it worship? What it does to me pulls worship out of me in a way that a gathered space hasn't for quite some time. Cool. Yeah, that's beautiful. And then that sense of engaging um, not just the ministers who are paid professionals, but every person who loves Jesus to be in that space, the amount of people that walk past us and go, who are you? What mm. are you doing? Yeah, yeah. And when you say, oh, we're the local church, and you're there on a Sunday morning between 10 and 12, mm. they're like, why are you doing this? Mm. And like the amount of kind of instant conversations that you get into on a deep level about people's experience of church, people's experience of God, people's struggles. We've prayed with people and cried with people mm. on the banks of the river. Okay. Like, if that is not worship, mm. and yeah. seeing our beautiful people grow in their boldness and experience of being able to tell their story of how they love God, how they love the community, uh, to just random passers-by. Mm. Like, I'm like, if that's not growing in faith, mm. what are we... Mm. I, I've never done that on a Sunday morning in a gathered space in church. Right. Yeah. 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 Mm. It's mind-blowingly amazing. Sounds beautiful. Uh, yeah, it's really cool. Um, 
who's who's coming along? Is it the same same crew that come along to your gather services coming along to the? Yeah, interesting. So it, probably at this point, it's worth pointing out. So we've talked about one of our expressions, yeah. which is this this river reserve expression. Um, that's been that's been I would say reasonably successful in that it's a it's a space that's really open to other people that are outside of the sort of church. There's there's a shared space. There's shared buy-in for the type of work we're doing, which has been really cool. Mm -hmm. There's other projects that we've done as well, and they have, like, just the dials are in different places. Mm -hmm. So we've done a really cool project where we've been breaking down pallets and repurposing them for the benefit of the community. The the downside with that one is it's not... There's not as much engagement from people outside of our community, but it does this incredible thing where it is a genuine blessing to the wider community. So it doesn't facilitate the same types of conversations, but it does in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've got these community gardens that are happening right outside of our church, which are creating a whole bunch of conversations. There's And, and there's lots more engagement from people from within our community and people outside of our community happening in those spaces. Um, a lot of the kai that comes out of those mara goes into a community pantry, and that community pantry is an incredible bump space mm-hmm. for connecting with people um, in really natural and genuine ways. I mean, how many conversations do you think that you've had with people who would never walk into a church but have stumbled into a, a conversation about spirituality and life, the universe, and the meaning of everything just mm. while looking in the Pataka Kai? I would say I have five to six conversations a week wow. with people who don't know Jesus or wouldn't interact with a church minister and... Mm. Um, and they are beautiful, they are natural. Usually they involve some kind of shock and awe because it's like, why would a church be doing anything good? Um, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, that's, mm. the, that's the felt experience. And I'm like, man, the way in which Jesus was known and experienced was he was known as a friend of sinners who loved parties and it was good to be around him. And I'm going, I'm having those moments mm-hmm. in these spaces mm-hmm. and so are our people. And all of it, it's not all rosy. We are facing the challenge of going, how do we help our people in different situations engage in mission together um, and not just become, that's the one Sunday a month they don't yeah. go to church. Yeah, right. that's you know, the one Sunday a month book holiday. Right. You know, yeah. so that's a real life challenge at the moment. Yeah. So um, it's not gonna, all, uh, all roses. Yeah, because I was just going to say, like, um, for people listening along, the, they'll probably either be thinking, wow, that sounds amazing. This is beautiful and awesome. Mm-hmm. Or, or they're thinking, that sounds like a whole lot of work. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like, yes. um, how do you sustain it? How do you sustain yourselves? Mm-hmm. I think for me, because part of this is about wiring, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, both James and I are pioneering in our wiring. And so going to the place where you see that Jesus could be but isn't yet is energising to us. Helping bring a whole community of people with you is where the work kicks in Mm, mm. for me. Mm. I mean, my honest answer to that is I get more energy from these types of conversations and these types of spaces and from being genuinely engaged with people who don't know Jesus yet mm. than I do from just running a really successful Sunday service. Mm-hmm. 
And it's not to say that this, that Sunday space isn't beautiful. Mm. It is. It is. I love preaching the Word of God. Mm. I love worshipping. I love um, equipping the body for ministry. Mm. Really important. But if you're equipping the body for ministry and no ministry is happening, then you lose energy for the equipping. Sure. And yeah. so it's those ministry spaces and ministry to people that aren't part of our community. It's mm. when the church is genuinely a blessing to its non-members. Yeah. Mm. That's the sweet spot. That's where I get all the energy. That's what motivates me to do all of the stuff. Cool. Yeah. And if you find yourself in a situation <laughs> when that stuff isn't happening, yeah. no wonder people burn out. No yeah. wonder people yeah. run out of energy. Yeah. 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 So it's actually the opposite for yeah. us. Is It's my gift and my sacrifice is being present in those gathered spaces to love the body of Christ mm. and equip her for the works of service. Mm. That is sacrifice to me. To yeah. be engaged in these other spaces we've talked about right. is wonder and awe yeah. and a real lived experience of the thinness of heaven touching yeah. earth. <laughs> I, think it was yeah. I think you just... Um, I think you just tied just into back into something you said earlier really beautifully there about um, you know the, the compromise and you hating the three weeks or whatever. Um, but the, <laughs> say what you really think. But the, the, I mean, this is the honest, the honest fucking. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, yeah. But the, but but what you just said about that being a sacrifice for you. Like, yes, it is. Like yeah. being there, like yeah, helping uh, equip your, your equip your congregation. Uh, and empower them and 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 help sustain them in, in the greater call that that you're all a part of is mm. is, a, is a lot of effort and it's not what you'd rather be doing so it is a sacrifice yeah yeah, yeah. and I love it um, but it is definitely that posture for me because pioneering is such a like innate part of me to be consistently tied to a local body of people that um isn't particularly successful if you were measuring numbers or um, grandeur. Mm. That's the sacrifice piece, to consistently love and walk with people. Mm. Um, but it's there that, that my character is shaped and my, that I am held by others and hopefully I help to hold others. Mm. That's, it's... <laughs> It's brutal, is what I call brutal. it. Brutal, that's it's cool. Beauty yeah. and brutal, brutal yeah. all in the same thing. And I'm sure they feel the same way about me, because mm. <laughs> <laughs> it can't be easy yeah. um, to be encouraged and led into spaces that aren't necessarily your natural. Mm. True, so, true. Yeah. yeah. So who who do you consider? So we're going to go ahead and press pause on the conversation here. So stay tuned. Come back and join me for the second part of this conversation. Peace.